This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. What a moment yesterday, uh, just in our backyard here for the RBC Canadian Open, for Nick Taylor to become the first Canadian champion in ages, over five decades, six decades, since 1954. An insane 72-foot eagle putt. And he becomes the first uh, countryman to win the tournament since that long, since probably 85% of us have been alive. Okay, You'd have to be 69 years of age to be alive and probably 74 to be remembering how it happened on a black and white television, I'm sure. Um, in when Well, TV dinners were being heated up in 1954. An amazing day yesterday. As much for the moment as the accomplishment and maybe more. Really remarkable, and we'll talk about that more uh, bottom of the hour. I just see the same stories about Olivia Chow. Support is there, and nobody can touch her. A little slip slightly, but then sometimes in another poll that comes out, she picks it back up again. I don't know what happens in the next two weeks. I see all these headlines about people uniting behind stopping Olivia Chow and Mark Saunders went on television. He needed television to say it and maybe radio to some extent on Thursday. I'm the only one who can stop her. Everybody get behind me. Now, maybe there are other candidates that feel that exact same way. There's an opinion column in the Toronto Sun this morning. Mayoral hopefuls must get behind candidate who can beat Chow. But I don't know who it is and how do they get behind them? And how do you assure yourself that those manifestations mathematically are still enough at the end of the day. Of course, there's going to be 65 to 70 to maybe even 74% of voters that don't vote for her. People said to me, uh, or one person said to me on the weekend in a conversation about this, what's the highest percentage you think she could get? What's the lowest percentage you think she could get? And I'm 14 days out from this. We are 14 days out from knowing the results in the evening. And I think the highest is probably 32 and the lowest is probably 23. I don't think... I mean, again, I think in a million trillion years, she isn't getting 38%. She isn't flirting with 40. And uh, and she's not going to be probably any lower than 20. That the, It just wouldn't make sense any other way. Like the, these are, you know, you, how you study in school, mean, mode, and median. Any kind of equation would dictate that that would be the case. But I don't know how these candidates align behind her. And I understand that people are starting to now maybe get a little bit nervous. Maybe they'll be like, it's chow, it's chow, it's chow. And then on on election day or even in these next two days of advance voting, which ends after tomorrow, people might panic and say, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, she does. She has not run anything before. She hasn't been the mayor of a smaller town. She hasn't been a federal cabinet minister. She has not been a party whip. She has not been a premier. She has not been a like again a minister with a really important portfolio i get it there's an element of chicken and egg here how do we know you can lead what have you let okay we're going to see that in the provincial election to some extent bonnie crombie's been a mayor of a city okay that's great in mississauga that's great many people have been mayors do you want to turn over the keys to the entire province to somebody who's been a mayor or do you go I'm going to go with somebody else who just has a more, maybe more thoughtful approach to politics in like a Nate Erskine Smith. I don't know the answer. I don't know who you're going to pick in that context contest right there, but maybe you'll make the case that Josh Madlow hasn't, hasn't run anything 
as a city councilor. Anna Bylaw has been deputy mayor. Does that matter? Mitzi Hunter's been an MPP. Does that matter? I don't have the answer for that. There isn't an obvious choice like there was with John Tory, who ran several things, led several different missions, several different companies, corporations um, before becoming mayor of Toronto. And remember, the concept was stepped in to save us and he's not Doug Ford. You're not, he's not going to walk into cameras. You're not going to have any videos of him. You're not going to have any illicit substances. I was going to say you're not going to have any illicit anything, but then 2000, late 2022, early 2023 came along. But bottom lining it, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. We're pleased to welcome on our next guest. There was um, a story about a rally on Friday that had um, two different sides on an issue. That's for sure. Colliding. Uh, There's no doubt it was aggressive. It was physical. It was this. It was that. Um, And our next guest in the center of that, um, he is uh, NDP MPP for Ottawa Center. And he's been on our show before and he's back. He is Joel Harden. Joel, thanks very much for making the time for our audience. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Greg. Yeah, look, I'm going to get us talking, I promise, about the issues that brought Friday about. I know they're important. Um, They truly are. And as I said, you were in an active environment uh, with some yelling, aggression, some pushing and shoving. I saw it with my own eyes. Some of your characterization of what happened is, has been adjusted by you. Some of it has been questioned by others. What can you say about what you experienced on Friday? Well, it's uh, this is what happened, Greg. We, we had about, depending upon whose numbers you believe, 90 to 100 people coming into our city, not to protest in front of my office, the MPP office or Parliament Hill, which is where we're accustomed to seeing protests. Mm -hmm. But they came to a residential street on the west end of the riding with three public schools uh, to essentially espouse their anti-transgender, anti-queer perspectives. They don't believe that we should be teaching about different genders in schools. Uh, and they, they didn't come to my office, Greg, or Parliament Hill. They, they came to a neighborhood outside three public schools, all of which were shut down in the interest of public safety. So it's, it's truly not a very great day when people feel they have to protest kids and outside our schools. But I was supporting parents and folks in that neighborhood who all of them got in touch with me to make sure that those folks, as much as possible, could not march their hate up Broadview Avenue. So would you care? You don't think any of those people are Ottawa parents with kids in the public school stream? There was one woman, Greg, who approached me identifying herself as a constituent. I asked if she had a, a kid in any of those schools. She said no. Uh, okay. I did not. I've been doing this job in this city for five years. Uh, the only people I recognize were some folks from the biker church in Vanier, the riding to the east of us, who were very present in the convoy movement here, uh, February before last. Um, I didn't recognize hardly anybody else. And some people who are experts on the far right have gotten in touch with me to let me know that some of the people who came to Broadview Avenue that day are professional white supremacists, people who uh, last Friday were rallying against transgender kids, but in earlier rallies, uh, you know, they think we have too many newcomers in our country, uh, you know, the usual white supremacist stuff. So it was it was a scary moment for our city. Okay, Um, your initial um, claim was that you were punched in the face by an activist on Friday. And and that was what was in the media on Sunday. Um, You've clarified that, like, if I if I if I tell you I was punched in the face, I just feel like or if I say on the radio, hey, I was punched in the face yesterday. I feel like people will assume that a fist made contact with 
my actual face. You've there's a megaphone here involved. Can you sort of clarify, like maybe that w- it, a punch did not connect with your actual face? Correct. Uh, oh, it did. <laughs> I as, as I said and clarified in that statement, Greg. Uh, I I've been a union organizer for many years, and I'm familiar with trying to break up altercations with people when emotions get overheated. I put my I put my body between these two women, the one person from the anti-transgender rally, grabbing the other woman by the hair and pulling her down. I put myself between them and I stood up. I'm six foot one. Yeah. And that popped them apart. Uh, and I felt some kind of push to my back from the person who started the fight. Um, and then I did have a megaphone against my face because I did most of the time. I was trying to ask people to stay away from our contingent that just leave us alone. Uh, her punch connected right at the juncture where my face is and the, the megaphone's being held it was it was a punch to it is, you yeah. tweeted you tweeted the blow glanced off the megaphone and my face was cut like if i read that yeah. sense in its context i assume the fist and the knuckles i know we're getting technical here but it's proper yeah. to do that I, the, I, i'm assuming that the the knuckles hit the megaphone and then the megaphone has a couple sharp pieces to it anybody who's holding a megaphone knows where they are and that that ended up cutting your face Basically, That's what you tweeted. This was, this was a hit. Greg, no, but it, but the but the bowl the, the fist hits the megaphone. Look, this happened in a split second. I turned around to look to see where this person was, and I got a blow to the face. And I think this is the bigger question for me, Greg. And I've asked this person if she's following me on social media to get in touch with me privately, so we can actually talk about it. That's what I learned from the convoy, Greg. Yeah, people were this angry in the convoy. And my approach was not to call them all a bunch of names. My approach was to say, hey, what, made of you, what motivated you to want to sit in our city streets in the freezing winter for three weeks, shutting down small businesses? And many people did feel, not, feel safe in the neighborhood. They reported being harassed in our neighborhood. I say the same thing to this woman. Why did you come to protest outside public schools? Why did you feel it necessary to grab that woman by the hair? This woman was citing, instigating, trying to instigate fights with other people. What is going on? I'm a politician. Talk to me. Tell me what you don't like about the public school system. I'm a provincial official. Let's talk about it. That's, that's my message to the people who came to our city on Friday. Because quite frankly, we can't have people engaging in threatening and harassing behaviors outside our schools ever again. And I actually, Greg, I want to be part of a movement to take take the air out of this very angry balloon. Uh, that's I see in the United States and other countries, there's not been enough effort to do that. Why do you think that's people are angrier than three years ago? I'll, I'll give you context. My, my brother-in-law is gay and he and his partner and I talk about these issues all the time. And they're they're they they just they do see it. And it feels like there's more of us on the right side of of issues of equality. I'm convinced of that. And at the same time, there's extreme perspectives that, to your point, are showing up in environments. You saw the controversy about the Oakville Trafalgar teacher, I'm sure a bunch this entire school year. So while there are parents that are saying None of this is fair, even to the teacher, even to the other teachers, even to the kids. Can we get some clarification? That's what school board should do. It did yeah. bring out an element that I'd agree with you um, that, that doesn't deserve an audience. Some parents who might yeah. have legitimate concerns are stuck there going, oh, my gosh, they're lumping us in with these people. How do we fix those things? 
Well, I think we it's how we pursue the conversations, Greg. That's what I learned from the convoy movement. So I would discourage anybody who has concerns over Ontario's physical and health education curriculum and what we're teaching our schools. I would discourage them from associating themselves with people who are deciding to protest outside public schools and making kids unsafe. That is not the place to pursue the passionate argument, the place to pursue the get in touch with your member of provincial parliament, get in touch with the ask for a meeting, ask for a forum. I told a number of these people who came up and talked to me and that weren't screaming vile anti-transgender slogans. I said, look, come down to 109 Catherine Street where my political office is and I'll buy you a bushel of rotten tomatoes. You can throw them at me if you're that angry. Right. Like leave these schools alone. But but let's actually have we're Canadians. Right. Let's sit down at a table and tell me what you're worried about. I'm a father, too. I know that if I felt my children were at risk, I would do anything to defend them. I've no doubt that some people feel passionately about Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I, I think you've nailed it. We've always debated, Joel, sex education in schools. Our parents wonder what we should be taught. Their parents wonder what the, it's always going to be a hot button issue. I never find, though, that goes along ideological lines. I think people aren't sure about what a seven, eight, nine year old should be taught. And, and, and that's about how that household operates. What's their religious background? What were their parents like? What influences them? I, I never find that's an ideological issue. That's me saying that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, what some of the things I did see, Greg, were disturbing. Like I did sure. see kids being brought to this demonstration, uh, cheered on by their parents as they were stomping on pride flags. You know, I did, I'm not going to repeat them on your program, but I did hear vile anti-transgender things being said, denying those kids a right to exist. And and what I want to believe is that mm. we can live in a Canada where we can disagree, <laughs> but you can't deny someone else's right to exist. You can't do that. That's not right. I wonder, though, if we're at the point where it's so loud on, on both extreme sides, Joel, that, that's how I view it, that if someone, if someone comes to you and says, hey, I don't think... For example, biological men should be playing contact sports against women after they've transitioned um, or even cycling or weightlifting. Do you consider that hateful or is that just we have to find a balance between physical fairness and I want to find a space for all people. I think we're ignoring complexities of that's a really complicated issue. You and I and everybody listening would agree. And there's no easy answers right now. But I don't think that's hateful to say, can I question this? Is it? Well, look. Having discussions and curiosity is never a bad thing. That's what I believe. What I don't like, Greg, uh, are people descending on a residential neighborhood. Of course not. Shutting down three public schools. Some of these folks made the trip from like across the country, you know, to do this. And I, I want to believe that, you know, this is a country where we have to learn to accept each other. You know, on Friday, it was about transgender kids. I've also been at demonstrations defending the rights of Muslim women to wear the hijab or Jewish neighbors not to be harassed in their neighborhood or newcomers who are coming here from other places in the world, fleeing persecution, deserving a right to become landed refugees here. This is in Ottawa center, the place I'm proud to serve. And I know your great city. It's the same thing. There are many people who really are passionate about human rights. Sure. Uh, My, my point that I make to the people who came here last Friday is very, it's a very simple one and you're making it too. We can disagree on issues. Let's never let public schools and kids be, mm. be mixed into the target of this. Uh, and there were, I can tell you, Greg, for sure. And yeah, yeah. To me by experts, there were professional haters in this group. 
people whipping people up. Um, I broke up at least five altercations, at least one. There was another one, Greg, where one of our amazing uh, faith leaders in the city, Brian Cornelius from First United Church, a man was standing nose to nose with Brian, yelling about the need to repent, threatening to throw him to the ground. I gotcha. Yeah, uh, that's no good. That's no good. So I put my body between Brian and that guy, too. I mean, this is uh, what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to de-escalate. Joel, I wish I had longer. I'm late as it is, but I appreciate you coming on and giving us the context of the weekend. Thank you for the time. Thanks for covering the story, Greg. Be well. Joel Harden, Ottawa Center uh, MPP, joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. We'll talk to Kareem Assad in just a sec. She was at this rally where things certainly got physical, very tense in Ottawa on Friday. Joel Harden, the Ottawa area MPP, was allegedly punched in the face at a rally that he claimed, and I think fairly so, was supporting queer and trans youth. Um, Harden said this about the punch um, that he took. I asked if he was punched or was he not given his Twitter clarification of a megaphone being um, hit and then the megaphone bumped into his face in that process. Can you sort of clarify, like maybe that w- a punch did not connect with your actual face, correct? Uh, oh, it did. <laughs> I, as, as I said and clarified in that statement, Greg, uh, I, I've been a union organizer for many years, and I'm familiar with trying to break up altercations with people when emotions get overheated. I put my, I put my body between these two women, the one person from the anti-transgender rally, grabbing the other woman by the hair and pulling her down. Uh, I put myself between them, and I stood up. I'm six foot one, yeah. and that popped them apart. Uh, And I felt some kind of push to my back from the person who started the fight. Um, And then I did have a megaphone against my face because I did most of the time. I was trying to ask people to stay away from our contingent, that just leave us alone. Uh, Her punch connected right at the juncture where my face is and the, the megaphone's being held. Okay, and I bring that up because he's getting barbecued and assailed on social media. That'll happen to all of us at some point in time. But he wrote, I was holding a megaphone against my face. The blow glanced off the megaphone and my face was cut. Like, again, if I tell you that I was punched in the face on Saturday, you're assuming that a fist hit my face. I wasn't slapped. It wasn't another object. Nothing else was in the middle. That's the <laughs> that's the point of clarification here. Um, so I want to bring on uh, Kareem Assad. She's joining us now on Toronto Today. I thank you for the time today. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, I really I think people really like you because you're known for kind of calling out the BS on all sides. You don't have an ideology, you, but you've got a great BS detector is the best way I can put it. You're there Friday. What did you see? Uh, so there were a lot of protesters. There were a lot of counter-protesters. It's the first rally I've been to where there were roughly equal numbers on both sides. And uh, as a result, there was uh, tension and Mm. conflict. Police did their best, I think, to keep the groups apart. Um, But there were points in time where there were small skirmishes. Yeah, it looked like a lot of jostling and whatnot. Um, you posted a video of uh, this Ottawa MPP, Joel Harden. Do you question his explanation of the story? He's in the mix. There's no question about it. And he's involved in some physical things. Do you question whether he was punched or not? I posted that video in response to a request from someone who had a different angle of the same moment. And they saw that my cameraman was present and they wanted you know, our version of it. And I thought that it 
worth looking at because what you see is um, the megaphone hit uh, Mr. Harden's face, um, and there's no one around him who did that. Now, it's possible that his megaphone hit his face more than once. It's also possible that there were multiple incidents of hair pulling, um, but the one hair pulling situation that I'm aware of, um, he's not visible there, and it's actually the counter protester, it seems, who was doing the hair pulling. So I, there, you can't, you know, prove a negative, and and I would have no reason to doubt his explanations at face value, but mm. the shift in the story and, and the reaction to this video where suddenly a megaphone was introduced, but clearly there's no breaking up a fight in what I was posting. Um, and, and then the explanations from eyewitnesses that also seem to change in tandem, it at least raises questions about what happened. And it's unfortunate that there's no sort of clear image of what he initially described as being punched in the back of the head and then rabbit punched. Kareem Assad is our guest on Toronto Today. Uh, Yahoo Canada had the first version of the story out, and they have noted, their editors noted, we've updated this story to reflect the claims Ottawa MPP Joel Harden made about an attack was an alleged incident, which is still under investigation. You heard the clip there as well. Um, where I say, so a fist didn't actually hit you in the face, and he said it sure did, but then he tweeted 16 hours ago, the blow glanced off the megaphone. So this this rabbit punch that was first described, again, I just I don't think this is vernacular that's confusing to people. Again, and if, if I got punched in the face, I got hit with a fist. I didn't get hit with a club. I didn't get hit with a stick, and I sure didn't get hit with a glancing blow off a megaphone. I got hit with a fist in the face. Like that's I think that's bread and butter clear as day. And it's very important, I think, to be accurate, painstakingly so, when describing this kind of thing Mm -hmm. because of the possible repercussions, the effect that it it has on the overall narrative. And we must bear in mind that the NDP has, over the past couple of years, proposed protest exclusionary zones, and this is the type of thing that would bolster that argument. So that's why scrutiny, in my mind, is very important here. Uh, Again, what you do is very fascinating to me, and I bet you do a lot of our listeners who follow you. Why why is it important for you to cover something like Friday to give context? And and I'm okay if you say you're not seeing enough of it from the mainstream media, or you understand that it's hard sometimes to cover uh, all angles of it from the mainstream media. When you're there, why does that, you know, sort of electrify you and why do you find it so important? So I, I kind of stumbled into this at the outset of the pandemic and then just never really stopped. And, and mm-hmm. at first it was because I wasn't really seeing the the coverage on the ground that I, I would want to know Right. Um, and, you know, I am not like a, a mainstream sort of legacy media journalist. So I'm able or was able to be a little bit more undetected in crowds and just sort of observe and report back um, to, to Twitter. Um, so it, it, it's important because I see more and more that this phenomenon isn't going away. And actually, it seems to be 
getting more intense, the goalposts are shifting, new issues are emerging, and it's being driven by specific individuals in ways that don't feel organic. And that's not to say that people who show up at these protests, uh, the majority aren't well-intentioned. Uh, in fact, I think that almost everyone who goes feels righteous in, in their presence. But the actual impact of them being there tends to be negative to the bigger issues. Um, and and I, I think the simplistic good guy versus bad guy, that, that doesn't quite apply. Yeah, um, so yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. We, I'm trying to figure it out and share the journey along the way. We got under a minute, but would you dispute the, the Harden claim? And I got listeners that, you know, digging in on me for, but he's there and I'm not, but you're there. So I'll ask you, he claims there were um, noted white supremacists protesting and noted people that clearly weren't from Ottawa. What did you see with your own two eyes? There were protesters who were from out of town. That's correct. Um, and there are people who have um, espoused views that are are racist. Yeah. I think we have to be careful about conflating um, and it really in cutting to the heart of this, like shortcuts such as blanket labels on people don't apply because it, it was more of a it's more complicated than that and and we'll leave it there. I, I, I think you're right because even labels like, pro-science, anti-science, right? Anti-masker, mm -hmm. anti-vaxxer. Like, I, I think those have been conflated to the nth degree to mean whatever, however somebody wants to demean your perspective, we're using it on both on every side of, of, mm -hmm. of every issue we can come up with. I, I'm tight for time, but I can't thank you enough for coming on, and I appreciate what you do. Thanks for doing this for us this morning. Thanks, Greg. Have yeah. a good day. Kareem Asad joining us. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Pride Parade a couple weekends from now in during Pride Month, but the Toronto Blue Jays just had their Pride Weekend. They made Friday and Saturday very distinct events. I, I took the, uh, I just mentioned I'm getting annihilated uh, for the Go Train story I just told, but whatever. Um, and on text, but I did notice on the Go Train, people coming with, um, you know, rainbow face paintings, and the Blue Jays obviously um, are out there in a good way. That said, the celebrations, I don't, marred might be a strong word, but they were messy with the initial inclusion of Anthony Bass and then the exclusion of him to the point where he's not even not participating in the ceremony on Friday, like catching a pitch from a representative of the LGBTQ community, but he's not even on the team anymore. Now, they got a stickier situation if this is a better player, but um, this looks like it could have been handled much, much better. And hopefully there isn't um, as much of a messy scenario Pride Weekend next year at Rogers Center. I want to bring on our next guest. She's a realtor, a massive Blue Jays fan, and she's been a part of Pride celebrations at Rogers Center before. But she took to Twitter on Friday and and had issues, no question, with some of the um, some of the genesis of how this was going to take place. Sam Fraser, our guest right now on Toronto Today. Sam, thank you very much for making the time, uh, being part of our show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I wouldn't normally wake up at this time, I, but I'm happy to do so for you. <laughs> I can't. I mean, you know, yeah, 730 seems uh, that seems late. In the, like I'm thinking about what's for dinner for you, already. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> um, g give me your sense of this whole the whole machinations of this. Like three weeks ago, Anthony Bass shares this video. He gives a 30 second apology. 
and and then things were supposedly just going to settle in a little bit. Maybe he'll do some things behind the scenes to evolve. Um, I think we can still allow for evolving and teachable moments with with adults. I think that still. Yeah. But yeah. but then this week it really last week it really goes off the rails, isn't doesn't it? By the announcement of well, they'll include him on the field and he'll catch a pitch from a representative of pride. It, it just sort of made things really messy for about a 48 hour period. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, he also doubled down on Thursday, um, you know, sharing the video and, and talking again about, you know, his quote beliefs. Um, and, and it was basically just, it was a non-apology. He was saying that mm-hmm. he was, you know, basically not going to share to get on social media, but he wasn't going to change how he felt. And, you know, fair enough, fair enough. You know, nobody's going to change their beliefs in just a couple of uh, their beliefs in just a couple of weeks. But it was uh, really disappointing to see that they had him say that publicly. And then they still decided that it was going to be a good decision to keep him on the field. <laughs> it was insulting. Yeah, I, I wondered about that. And and by but then by Friday, it's the reaction is is also a strange one. And I wonder if if you think the Blue Jays walked themselves into a position where now it looks like they're they're, you know, overreacting to something instead of properly reacting to some of the pushback about him being involved. I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're overreacting. Uh, I think that cutting him was actually the good decision, but obviously there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me. I'm a super Blue Jays fan, but I'm also a queer super Blue Jays fan. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that getting rid of him was the right decision, but it was a little bit too late. Did and, and- did the community feel alienated at any point in time before Thursday, or did that alienation, like like sort of a tone deafness, the idea of him being on the field, really start to resonate around Thursday? I mean, what I was seeing and hearing from people is that it was it was happening earlier. Like, you know, the fact that it the fact that the the video was originally posted and his non-apology came out, the Blue Jays didn't really do anything. Um, people were feeling alienated for quite a while. You know, there were quite a lot of people who were planning on boycotting the game on Friday and or Saturday. Um, you know, so so the feeling was already building. It had been building for a while. Um, but really, you know, making that decision to have him be on the field, that was the last straw. And I know, uh, you know, it's an odd, odd thing as well, because for those listeners who don't know, Bass had met with um, the, uh, the the CEO, executive director, Sherwin Modesta of Pride, and it just felt like, well, that can only be a good step. And it felt, it felt like Sherwin came away from that meeting with the concept of, okay, we're moving something in the right direction here. But then I think to your point, he said, ah, don't say anything hateful about the video. And it was like, like you said, a non-apology apology is pretty easy to spot in this day and age. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that the work that he was planning on doing with community organizations was was good. It was a right step. Nobody, like I said, no one's going to change their beliefs right away. Um, But but it was just it was too soon, you know, to have him out there. Nobody was going to understand the idea behind why he was there. It really just seemed like a really hurtful decision. And I know a lot of people were really hurt by it. So the I I should point out, we're talking to uh, Sam Fraser. She's realtor, massive Blue Jays fan. Um, do you look and, and say on on Friday it was just a tense atmosphere at the ballpark? I know you went on Saturday as sorry Sunday as well, right? You went Friday and mm-hmm. Sunday, Friday Sunday. And Sunday and Monday. <laughs> okay, and and so did Friday just have that sort of different feeling about it because some of the the news that had broken and some of the concern? Well, because nobody wants Pride representatives on the field, and because Anthony Bass is down there, then all of a sudden all this. 
all this booing starts. He was booed in his only home appearance um, since the video was shared, and nobody wants more of the same because it then it mars the whole weekend. It mars the whole concept of this. Yeah, I mean, it really makes it so that the the celebration is about him and the controversy around him, and not the celebration of pride like it should be. You know, and and we've. I'm not going to speak for everybody. Obviously, I can't. Mm-hmm. But um, the Blue Jays have done a really good job over the years of making people feel included. I think that they they really go above and beyond for a baseball organization. And this it it it, it, it took away the trust. It took away the you know the good rapport that they've built with the community. Um, and I know a lot of people were just feeling really betrayed by the decision. Um, yeah, I mean, who wants to be who wants to be celebrating the weekend with the flag on the field, and you know, and we're celebrating some some wonderful leaders in the community, and they're giving away some money to some great organizations in the city. But then we have to worry about the booze because the focus is going to be on bass. It's just it's not a way to start a celebration. Well, and you know, I think there's there's enough members of of the community that have spoken to me that say. You know, like we're okay to have our backs up and at least be um, not necessarily suspicious, but we're allowed to to question people's motives this time around. Everybody changes their corporate logos. Everybody does this. Everybody tries to say. So is it just a game of, well, who's pretending to be on board better than somebody else? And I get that. I get that suspicions out there because often that gets exposed and you're like, you're not doing this for the right reasons. You're not doing anything practical for our community. You're just trying to look to use that word virtuous. Yeah, yeah, and and that's basically what everything that the Blue Jays were doing turned into on the weekend. Yeah, um, you know that's what everyone ended up feeling was like, okay, you, it just seemed really performative. Um, you know, if if you really really cared about the community, you wouldn't have somebody up there who basically shared something saying that queer people are the enemy. How are we supposed to feel welcome at the ballpark um, after that? It was uh, it was a mess. I only got I only got twenty seconds for this, and I wish we had longer. But do, do does the does the team have work to do with the community before next year? Even hundred a hundred percent, the team has a lot of work to do with the community to really kind of make things right. Um, I mean, they they do a lot of good work to the Jays Care Foundation, but uh, yeah, they they really should be making some more visible efforts um, and letting people mm. know that this was this was just a slip up. Mm. Interesting. Sam Fraser joining us on Toronto today. Thank you for coming on, uh, trusting me, and, me, and thanks for putting this so eloquently. It's uh, it's it's still a massively important issue, and I thank you for shedding light on it. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. You bet. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty, Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. You insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Okay. Taking the uh, GO train to Toronto FC. I'm doing my part. I'm taking public transit. My kid and I go down, watch Toronto FC play Nashville Saturday night. Um, let me, Sheba and Gord, I feel like I'm already def- in defensive mode here. I feel like I'm already <laughs> ready to fend off the, um, how would I put it, etiquette criticism. So on the GO train, I think it's a little different than the TTC because you can't really, I guess you could stretch your legs out onto another seat. And if you're one of those L-shaped seats, or you could kind of spread out and put your yeah, knees so there up is on one of the seats. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is there's room to spread out. There's room with the with okay. like it's two seats facing another two seats and you're facing two people or one person's facing one. Basically they're in little four seat pods, right? Is the best way I can describe the go train? Yes. Yeah. 
so, and tell us your story, your experience. And, and so we get on, and and we know it's going to be busy. Coming from exhibition, we'll go back to Union. It'll be busy, but then we'll lose a lot of people at Union um, because of that one stop, and people will take the subway back or they're parked downtown or whatever. So uh, I, my son's six foot three. He's fifteen years old. He's six foot three. And I've thought a lot about all of the things that um, that we talk about with, you know, our our bodies and how sore they get and sitting in awkward positions. He was telling me a story about how his desk at school in ninth grade in ninth grade, like doesn't fit him properly and his back hurts in his desk. So I'm thinking, you know what? He's like, can I put my feet up on the seat? He asked. And I said, absolutely, go for it. Now, it's not a full stretch out, but his shoes are on the edge of the seat in front of him. In on that's okay, out on that's some kind of breach of go train etiquette. And let me remind you about go train etiquette, where people play their Bluetooth speakers to the world, whether we want to hear it or not. People loud talk in the not loud talking zones. People litter. People put... Food bags on. I could sit where a quarter pounder was just sitting, unbeknownst to me. I'm going to defend my etiquette here because I don't want him in physiotherapy the rest of his life for a cracked spine. So I'm in. What do you guys think? (laughs) Yes, I can tell that. I can sense that. I am absolutely out on this. (laughs) You, under no circumstances, do you ever put your feet up, even if it's on the edge of another chair on the TTC. And we see it happening all the time. And you're trying to justify by saying it was mm-hmm. a sunny day. His shoes weren't muddy. They weren't dirty. And we've seen that happen as well. Oh, sure. It's and an, that's an absolute yeah. no-go. It's, he's, not, no. he's not tracking mud. This is like a dog coming into the house with muddy feet. And it's totally different than a dog walking in with no muddy feet. He can jump on the couch. No, he can't. He's been out in the rain and the mud. Gord, what do you say? Um... You I don't want to. I agree with Sheba. I knew you would. Okay, yeah. fine. fine, you, just, fine. Under, you, can't, you just can't. You can't put your you, feet up where people are sitting. You can't justify too by somebody playing their Bluetooth speaker and it's like I'm going to pretend to be my uh, dad, my mom. For what a is it about if the everyone feet? jumps off a bridge? Are you going to jump off too? What I'm exactly. thinking about it based anyway. What what is it about the feet? Is it what if he had socks on? They're dirty. Yeah. What if he put those sockets on that construction people do when they or somebody that repairs a dishwasher and they put those little. Socket blue things on. Okay, because that's practical. Because that's practical to carry those around <laughs> to a soccer match. I'd throw them on the field if I don't like how uh, Bob Bradley's coaching. If you worked at Sleep Country, then I'd give it to what's, you. Uh, so, but what's the distinction, Sheba? It looks bad, or it is bad, or it's got there's germs on the feet. I mean, what are All what's the, the bad above. part? All of the oh. above, and it's unhygienic. But also, hold on, let's, okay, let's go to the root of this. Public transit you also as a wear, concept is unhygienic. No, you also wear shoes in the house. So for you, your shoes are all over your furniture anyway. So for the rest of us, and I think that's an American thing, by the way. I think you picked that oh up. Oh my gosh! I don't. I don't believe you grew up like that. There's no way your parents let you put your shoes on the couch, did they? As a child, when you were ten. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got my. <laughs> I'm in bare feet right now, and I'm about to clip my nails. Is that a problem here? Does anybody mind if I do that? No shoes on public transit ever, anytime, no excuses. What if I have Let a- us know what you think. 416-870-6400. Are you in or out and putting your feet on a seat on the TTC or the go I don't expect to get blasted here. Uh, I really don't. I think people are going to be with me. I think you guys are trying to say the right things <sighs> and be um, would you virtuous, eat- to would- be perfectly honest. Would you eat your lunch on the GOAT train floor? That's well, where your shoes should are. Should someone be that's allowed to? I get, that's my point. Should someone be allowed to put food beside them on the seat and dig into a no. sub? No. What they do it? I know. I think the feet are far less harmful than somebody, 
you know, uh, putting a sausage that they bought from a vendor, <laughs> some street meat on the seat next to me, and I got to stare at them eating for 48 minutes on the ride. <laughs> uh, yeah, people are, are noting. Um, Greg, when you arrive home after a day out, do you stand on your sofa or do you throw your shoes in your bed on Wednesdays? Um, there's a correspondent, a resident uh, doctor who's now my all-time favorite world doctor, she says there's a reason we should p- put our feet up on public transport. I don't have the clip, but I was um, it, here's the transcript of it on ITVs this morning, just six months ago. So the science hasn't changed. You know, it changed for other things. Um, by elevating our legs, we improve the mobility of fluids in the body. Blood flow is increased, which reduces the work your body must do to pump the blood back up to the torso. You ever see a six foot eight person on a domestic airline flight crammed into seat 28C? Wouldn't you like them to have more room? I mean, Andre the Giant, like, come on. Like, yes. Okay, I'm probably not going to win the battle, but I'm going to stick up for uh, for human rights here. Really, that's what I'm doing. Pete, thanks for the phone call, and I appreciate you calling. You go right ahead. Hello, Greg. It's Pete. Yes, Pete. Um, <laughs> okay, you want to stick up for human rights? How about everybody else's right to having a clean seat without crap on it, without uh having to worry about whatever the person had stepped in before they got onto the train in the first place. The bottom line is, Greg, <laughs> society in general has gone down the crapper. Like whatever you're having to look at on your phone, your vapid TikTok, whatever that's going on that requires you to put your feet up on a seat is it's just a decline in society. I know I sound like the get off your lawn <laughs> my lawn guy, but the bottom line is those seats Believe it or not, if you take the chance to look at it, they're Velcroed on. So if you really have to put your feet up, unvelcro the seat, tip it up, and put your feet on the plastic. So my ass doesn't have to go on top of your what? greasy, grimy, poop-covered, whatever. Hey, you don't know where I. You don't know where I. You're making a lot of character assumptions about me, and I feel I'm in an unsafe space right now. And I will. Uh, I'm going to take tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday off as a result. Listen. Look. Well, no, wait. You, no, you look, Pete. <laughs> what if? What if again? I've got those little baggy, those blue baggy things that that somebody comes in has work boots on, and he comes up and wears them to like you know look at an electrical issue in my house. If I bring those with me, it, I'm being serious. If I bring those with me, am I okay to do this? Well, first of all, that's ridiculous. Second, no, of all, no, that's not what I asked. I know it's ridiculous, but what if no, I did something okay ridiculous? Because it's still a seat where somebody wants to put their butt. There might be somebody standing somewhere, which is the other problem. I would give if up the seat. No, home. no, no. Now you're changing the variables. Of course, I'd I'm give not up the seat, Pete. It at all? Try coming home from a from a Leaf game at some point, <laughs> and the first people to jump on at Union Station put their feet up on the seat across terrible them, so you can't sit down absolutely you can't you can't do it on a full train by the way the worst thing about a go train coming home from leafs games are like the bad trade ideas that you'll hear you're like this player sucks and this player's a bit overpaid and this player isn't very good either but don't you think edmonton would send us mcdavid for those three players i hear that's the take i always hear daniela thanks very much for the phone call i hope you're having a great morning you go right ahead you're, you're lucky you're not close to me. No, no, no seat on the seat. I ride the GO train. Yep. I don't know why we've lowered the standard of social etiquette. It, it's just gross. Well, I agree with that. Based on the conversation, some of the things I see being eaten, I'm worried I smell vape smoke sometimes. Like, hey, you're right about it. people with their FaceTime phone calls that aren't, I don't need to hear your whole FaceTime. Con- you're right about the standard. 
Well, I'm just worried about the circulation and the health of my son's lower body. That's all I'm worried about. I understand that there's probably accommodation or he can get up. I understand that. But um, it's, it's just not right. I mean, cutting your toenails, people are brushing their hair. You, you do that in the bathroom. You don't do it on a go train on public transit that people have paid money for. Uh, you make a great point about the hair brushing. I've never, that seems like it's on the side of being publicly acceptable. And I'm like, you're leaving hair behind from your I body, right? I you are. Yeah. I told one girl she brushed her hair every day. I used to get off at Union Station. I said, excuse me. I said, um, brushing her hair is, uh, is a bathroom um, thing. It's not on the, on the uh, transit because you're leaving it all over. And she looked at me. And she goes, oh, she apologized and said, okay, I'm sorry. I, like, no. You're right. You're right. All right. Now now I wish we were uh, closer because we found some common ground. Thanks very much for the phone call. <laughs> I agree. I'm anti-hairbrushing in public. I don't want to see you anti-brushing hair any more than I want to see you eating a Baconator next to me and all that all that it's it's so good, but I don't want to see all that stuff come out and fall. Like I've seen it drip on the floor. People eating this one guy ate a kebab once in, uh, in England uh, on a train across from me. And I'm like, this is, how do I jump out? Uh, Don, thanks for the phone call. You go right ahead. Greg, good morning. You know what? I think just as a simple rule, feet and furniture outside of your own <laughs> home don't belong together. Like that's, that's just a standard that should be internationally recognized. I think you're you right. Put your feet on your own couch. But what, what, okay, if the shoes are off and it's just socks, is that, no? In your own house? Yeah. No, on the go train, of course. No, Frank, that's, uh, there's zero tolerance. But how many butts are, how many butts are on the seat I was sitting on? Even if I'm like wedged together and I'm, I'm just. You know what? It's a standard and you fell short. And (laughs) if it's for health, if it's for health concerns of your son, call it a, call it wheel trans for crying out loud. Oh, boy. He's got no circulation issues, I assume. Come on. I I know. Do unto others. Think and do unto others isn't just like about paying it forward. It's do my actions do my actions irritate somebody else? Don't answer that, by the way, if you if you listen to the show on a regular basis. Okay, I might have I, I might have found a lawyer here. Ever, somebody thinks no one will take my case. No one will stand up for me. No one will defend me in the court of public opinion. I might have found my guy here. Rob, you're on Toronto today, six forty Toronto. Go right ahead, Rob. On, bud. Listen, What's up, bud? Pe- people are worried about feet on, on seats. Come on, there's way worse things that have been put on those seats in public transit. I saw a guy wearing a kilt once, and yeah, he was regimental. I mean, and, then, and women with their purses, right? They put them on the floor of the bathroom, and then they go and they put them on the seat where you're sitting. You're worried about someone's feet. Think about all the other stuff that people have got on their butt, and they're sitting in that seat. I'd be more worried about gum than anything else. You're taking your chances. I love it. Listen, we all tell you, thank you, Rob. We all tell each other public transit, public transit. Um, but I'm telling you, like you are taking your, the, the hygiene gods could play havoc with you and give you anything that any of those prior passengers have had. That's the whole point. One more quickie. Felix, I got 30 seconds. Go right ahead. I think it's a no, no, no feet zone, no, no zone. There's proper etiquette that should be enforced, uh, you know. I mean, just like the previous caller said, who knows what's on there? And uh, we don't want to add to it and then bring it everywhere else. That's how diseases are spread. I know, but but it was someone eating. What about someone eating sushi across from me with chopsticks and that in those bento boxes? It, it, Felix, come on, that's worse. Yeah, 
I thank you. I'm a big take responsibility for your actions person. I really am. Keep that personal grooming to a minimum. Look what we just learned today. That that the Daniela that called us said, I, I called somebody out for hair brushing. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Can I can I do a little shave? Can I just get a little bit of like I've seen people do it in their cars. I don't expect them to do it on public transit.